Welcome to episode 40 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Ryan Jackson. This week we're going out with Gabe Valdevue for the second time and Kyle Ryan. Gabe is a Facebook designer and Kyle Ryan works at Volley. It's a fun episode. Uh, good to have Gabe back while he was in town from London. He's working on top secret We try projects. to work out every single time he comes back from London, but what are you going to do? Uh, we are counting the days until the end of the Net Awards uh, voting. Uh, we have been nominated for Podcast of the Year, so if you're enjoying the show, we would love, love, love your vote. Uh, if you go to designdetails.fm, we have a banner along the top. And if you're enjoying the show, just go there, click the link, and vote for us for Podcast of the Year. When this episode comes out, there will be like five days left. So time is short. If you if you haven't done it, just just find it in your heart to take two seconds to go to designdetails.fm tell your friends or like not so much friends just to do it at designdetails.fm every vote counts the same it doesn't have to be yours you can make other people do it and vote for us you can blackmail them that'd be great for podcast of the year with blackmail (laughs) uh before we get into the episode we have two sponsors this week huge thank you to our longtime supporters icon finder Icon Finder is the best way to find icons for any design project you might be working on. They have hundreds of thousands of icons in their library. And you can find them. Yeah. You just go on, search for anything. They're going to come back with tons of results. They're adding hundreds of thousands more this year. Uh, Keeping up with trends, styles, anything that's missing, they're adding. Uh, They are an amazing community that supports icon designers. 70% of revenue from their monthly subscription service goes back to the designers themselves. So support the design community. Check out iconfinder.com. Use the promo code ROBOT. That will tell them that we sent you. Man, we need to get our own promo code. Come on, guys. Yeah, ROBOT for now. And that'll give you 50% off uh, iconfinder Pro, which is a monthly subscription service, just a few bucks a month, and it gives you access to this incredible library of literally hundreds of thousands of icons. Icons which will work in any software you're using, all different styles. It is the destination for anything you need with icons. So thank you so much to Icon Finder for sponsoring this episode. Uh, Go to iconfinder.com and use the promo code ROBOT. Our second sponsor is once again Dropbox. As you know, Dropbox is a free, easy way for designers to get more done. Brian and I spend so much time sending files back and forth through Dropbox. And it's not because of their fault, it's just a lot of files. It's a no-brainer, actually. If you want to keep your files safe, just put them in Dropbox. They're going to be synced to all of your devices. Any update that you make will get versioned and saved to all of your devices. So if one device blows up in a fire, your files do not. That's a very good point. (laughs) Thanks, Bryn. (laughs) They've been adding lots of cool features like comments and file requests, which are really exciting for people like us. So when we have a guest on, we can just say, hey, can you send us that recording you did? That'd be great. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is Dropbox, you know, they, they support all these different kinds of files, but they're building tools that are really working well for designers. Uh, easy to collaborate, easy to send mockups to other people on your team, whether they're designers or not. More and more getting web views like sketch files and PSDs or like they're adding all these like viewers for them. So you can just send them immediately, even if they're huge files and people can just open them automatically in the web. They don't have to have the app. It just works. Dropbox is amazing. And we really appreciate them supporting the show and supporting the design community. If you want to learn more about Dropbox and how it can make your life easier as a designer, go to dropbox.com. Thanks again to Dropbox. And with that, let's get into episode 40 with Gabe Valdivia and Kyle Ryan.
are you guys working on? So I, uh, I work for uh, Facebook, a team called Friend Sharing. And um, what we work on is kind of like trying to understand how people share uh, and um, what are the kind of barriers for sharing their lives. So if you, if you look at the way people share today on Facebook, it's a, a bit kind of like a success theater kind of thing where uh, we have a system that is only optimized for sharing your best moments, right? Like we have like people share when they get married or when they have a baby, um, but we don't really encourage people sharing like all the minutia in their lives. And that kind of like paints a, a poor picture of who you are in terms of like how authentic you can be and how you can um, have a, a, a representation of your identity on Facebook. So my team is kind of like in charge of, of getting people to explore how to share the, the things that you don't typically share on Facebook and provide solutions um, that en- enable that kind of sharing. What would be an example of something you're helping encourage people to share? So one thing is uh, something that uh, the kids call uh, double Insta, uh, which is... What? Yeah, you haven't heard about this? I no. haven't heard about this yeah, either. See? You actually are a kid too, so <laughs> I'm not a kid this. anymore, so I wouldn't know, but continue. Yeah, so, so there is like unspoken rule about in social media, but especially on Instagram, which is you're only supposed to share one Instagram a day. Oh. What? I see. Yeah. You, Why? I have definitely broken that rule many times. <laughs> really? One a day? One a day. That's what they say. And it's because... There's a, f- a few different reasons, um, but this feeling of spamming your friends and, and the fact that you're just like cluttering their feed uh, really kind of like inhibits your ability to, or your willingness to share something. So we're exploring solutions in which you can share multiple times a day and don't feel like you're, you're breaking this, this unspoken social rule known as double Insta. That's dumb. Huh? What are we doing? <laughs> no, I meant, I meant like just my life's work, I man. I, no, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I just called it dumb. Whatever. I just don't get why like there's these weird like social rules around the internet. I mean, like it, don't don't post more than one Instagram a day. Like, well, that's, that's like why are there dumb social rules when you go out to eat with your friends? You don't. I don't know. I ignore those there. and you yell at me. Yeah. No, I, you actually don't. I mean, if you think about it, the any social media platform is is technically or, or virtually a room full of people, right? And when you post into that room, it's you kind of like shouting to that room something that you, that you feel that they should listen to. And that is a lot of pressure, right? It's kind of like you standing in front of a thousand people with a microphone and saying, say something worthy. And that is, you know, like that inhibits your ability to kind of be authentic in this platform. And you only share the things that, you, that you're excited about, that you feel proud about. But, you know, nobody would share something they're embarrassed about or something that they feel vulnerable about. Uh, mm. so, so that's the kind of like thing that we want to encourage because uh, a big kind of um, mission for the company is to get people to be as authentic as they can online. Uh, so that when you, let's say I, I befriend you on Facebook, I have an understanding of who you are as a person, as opposed to who you, uh, who you want to like, portray you are. It's like how when people take personality tests, they usually fill it out as the person they want to be rather than the person they are. Exactly, yeah. Interesting. I want to come back to this, but before we get too deep, Kyle. Yes. Welcome on the show. Thank you. What are you working on? Uh, so I'm actually working with Gabriel on, on this app also. Um, on a side project app. Oh, on a, not, no. not Facebook. Wait, you're that. working on a Facebook app? We're, we're, we're sort of working together on, on this. It is but not yeah. a Facebook app. Not a Facebook app. <laughs> it's, it's not technically it's a Facebook app. app. So this is like another yeah, app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm working on that. Um, I'm exploring some different side projects in, in mobile publishing. Okay. Um, and so there's, there's a huge issue you have right now. You have 
more and more contextual content on the internet, whether that's photos or videos or or uh, whatever that may be. And mobile, like writing on mobile, like we all write on desktop mm-hmm. and and publish blog posts on desktop. But there's all this contextual information on our phones, and getting it off our phone onto a um, some sort of publishing tool that allows you to to share that content in a mo- in a more um, in a, in a way that's uh, you can share more things and like when you when you share you know on desktop you only share text mostly okay but now you know when we're getting even you know with this app um, we're sharing videos and not only are we are we sharing videos but we're also sharing this like communication with like reactions to your videos and so I don't know there's a lot in like mobile publishing and you know you see this this trend towards more and more and more information mm-hmm. on these tiny screens sure. And a scroll view doesn't work in many of these cases because if you have a 20-page, you know, medium article or blog post, it's very, very hard to consume that content on a scroll view. And so they're just like exploring different areas in that. Um, yeah. Okay. So how did you guys meet? It's funny. So, um, <laughs> so I just recently moved to London and uh, I moved before uh, my fiance did. So I, had, I found myself with a lot of free time. So the reason you're back in the city... Is because she just graduated. Right, yeah. She just graduated. Yeah, so yeah, now yeah, she's yeah. moving with you. Exactly, yeah. So she's just going to join me in London. So we're going to spend a lot more time together. But uh, before that, I had a lot of free time in London by myself in an apartment. Uh, and I just had a, a few ideas that I wanted to try out. And I sent out a calling on, tw- on Twitter. I just had Twitter. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, if anybody wanted to work on <laughs> a video-related app with me, that I needed some uh, engineers to help me out. And we literally just like, he like he somehow saw that tweet and reached out to me. And we yeah. Just, so why were you following him on Twitter? I was not actually. Ah. So oh, <laughs> a a friend of mine. Neither we do, Don't worry. A friend of mine was following him, and like cc'd me into the tweet and was like, he knew you know he knew what I had worked on and things I had worked on, and he was like, yo, you should work with this guy. This guy is cool. And now and then we worked together. Nice. So it's like this very network effect thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. With finding people to, you know to work together yeah. it's really you guys interesting been working together so it's been a couple months now a couple months yeah, yeah um and you just met in person for the first yeah, time it's the first time i actually isn't, that, isn't that incredible <laughs> and now you're the power of the internet to bring Dude, people Twitter, together twitter's the whole reason i'm here like <laughs> it's insane yeah twitter is actually the only reason i have my job moved this to san is, yeah, francisco yeah. this is what really concerns me about them not having a good business model right now <laughs> it's like i can't imagine the internet without it now yeah you know for all the negative things that twitter is going through right now i think like it has been instrumental in not only me but like so many other people being able to connect um like oh, yeah. i found my job last summer through twitter i like messaged the guy through twitter obviously this and just like so many great things have happened through twitter yeah. it kind of blows my mind like it's it's like it's in it's like shitty teenage years right now well this is what i wanted to bring it back to gabe because twitter and facebook obviously have different like strategies for sharing and you share different things on different networks but it sounds based on what you're saying that maybe facebook's wanting me to say a little bit more of the stuff i'd I'd be saying on twitter like a little more ephemeral stuff that like i don't care if it gets lost in the newsfeed, but it's probably more genuine to who i am Whereas like right now on Facebook, I might only share these major life events or like the highlights of my life. It's kind of hilarious to me that Twitter wants to be Facebook and Facebook wants to be Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you agree with that at all? Uh, I don't agree with the last statement, no. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think Twitter has a, a, a really interesting uh, following model, which is unlike Facebook, right? So, mm. so this following model enables a 
a interest-based feed or graph that really kind of like makes you channel all that uh, content towards that interest base. So we're designers, we typically follow other designers. So any design-related topics, we, we funnel it through Twitter. In the case of like musicians, it's probably the case for, and they do that with music um, or anybody else with depending on their interests, right? They, they craft their social graph based on their interests and that enables them to kind of like pour the content about that interest into this space. The thing about Facebook is that the, the friendship model is different than following, right? So if I befriend a lot of people, that actually hurts me because it clutters their feed and it clutters my feed with them. It increases like the noise to signal ratio. Right. So, and, and the, the reasons why you follow, you friend someone on Facebook are different than the reasons why you follow someone on Twitter. Uh, and f- Facebook is typically more grounded on, on real interactions. So somebody you meet in real life, then you friend them on Facebook. Uh, so the, the barrier there for sharing is different, right? You, you, don't, you don't typically use Facebook to share just your posts about design. You use them to share your posts about your life in general. Uh, and that, because it's more broad and more vague, in my opinion, is more valuable, but it is harder to kind of like break through that, that barrier and really share authentically without just like bragging. That seems like a huge roadblock, especially, I mean, for someone like me, where I would never share anything about design on Facebook because hmm. my friends on there aren't interested in that. See, I wouldn't share stuff on my Facebook wall. In fact, I almost never do. The, I think the only things I've... I'm only on Facebook because Gabe blackmailed me into it before I came on the first time, <laughs> right? The only things I've shared on there were like success stories, like when we launched um, Privatize and that got a bunch of press, and then when we launched this and that got some attention. Like those are the only things I've really posted on there. But I'm on Messenger like 100% of the time, which is very similar to how I use Twitter. Yeah, so if somebody just friended you on Facebook, they would think you're like super successful and a great guy. <laughs> yeah, Little do they but know. But everyone knows better. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's the point. Like really enabling you to feel safe to share the things that you don't typically share on Facebook is it's a big problem. It's a lot about like behavioral uh, kind of like psychology and how to interact in a way that is authentic. It's like something that is really closely tied to this huge audience that Facebook now has you know everyone on mm. facebook has an average of like hundreds of of friends uh which is really intimidating i when think you, i have when 90 well normal people no no that that makes sense yeah so i think i i used to use twitter as a, a discussion platform so like if i if i had a question or, or something i wanted to discuss i would use twitter but in the last six months i've been using facebook for as every, a discussion as a discussion tool so like i might have posted something today where I wanted to get people's opinions um, about something. And Twitter's platform sort of discourages those like very high level discussions where, you know, you have one comment and someone can actually reply to that comment. And so on Twitter, it, it, it sort of disables that, that interaction between multiple people. But on Facebook, you just see a thread of all these comments and people, it's just so much easier to have a discussion on Facebook these days. But then again, like, you know, Am I using Facebook to share my life necessarily? Like if you look at my wall, you know, most of it is either photos or questions that I've asked my friends, like to gauge their opinion on on topics. So yours isn't even so much about yourself as it is. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Twitter and Facebook have very different use cases. And a lot of people are trying to say, oh, you know, Twitter is trying to be Facebook or Facebook is trying to be Twitter. When I think that's a lot of the major problems Twitter is having now on Wall Street is like what people on Wall Street don't understand is that 
or what Twitter needs to communicate is that it's not trying to be Facebook. It's trying to actually, you know, do something unique and not just trying to live up to what Facebook Facebook is. So yeah, that needs to be communicated well to Wall Street. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. That, exactly. That'd be exactly, really yeah. handy. <laughs> Which, I mean, hopefully, whoever the next CEO is can can accomplish that. I mean, so this is literally the types of conversations we have every day at work. And the way I think about it is like there's two ways of sharing. There is uh, the conversation, right, which is we've had since the beginning of time. You know, I have something to say to a specific person or audience, and I share something with them. And the best way to have that type of conversation is in real time. So this mm. is why like WhatsApp and Messenger, Messenger. They're, they're thriving. And the other uh, aspect, which I think kind of like really uh flourish when social media got around is this this idea of broadcasting to like the ether or like some sort of audience that is mm. unknown and like i don't think facebook invented this is might, might have been before facebook but it, but it was you know you have this audience of people and you can just have a thought and share it out loud without really expecting a conversation out of it but knowing that this kind of accumulates over time and becomes part of your identity so so you're you're kind of like it's kind of like a scrap a scrapbook of your thoughts over time. So you know that a year from now you'll have all your thoughts you've collected and you're documenting that life, but you're doing it publicly or within your friends so that people um, you know are partaking and you you just like existing. Um, and this this side is is this identity crafting part of of sharing is something that I'm really excited about and especially specifically specifically within the context of uh, Facebook because I think we we do identity. You know, really well within within the internet. So outside of Facebook, um, you're working on the side project. How much can you talk about like the idea behind it and why you're wanting to work with videos? And so I haven't talked to Kyle about this, but I want to be as transparent as I can about this. <laughs> okay. Um, just because I feel like there's a lot of of uh, learning to be had from both sides. Um, so maybe in real time you can tell me if you're okay with it. <laughs> Go for it, yeah. <laughs> um, so the idea was uh, we were working on this like, video uh, sharing app where I shoot a video and I can send it to someone and that person can um, watch the video and as they're watching it, they're being recorded, their live reaction. Um, and the idea is to get like, a, a genuine reaction of the content I share. For now, it could be videos. In the future, it could be like I share a link and I can see how you react to that link in real time or any other sort of uh, content. But what I'm excited about is kind of this idea of asynchronous live uh, experiences where I get a genuine live reaction, uh, but not necessarily like demanding for you to be in the moment. Uh, so, you know, like I, I like in the, in the case of this app, I can share a, bit, a video of, of us like shooting this, this episode and then I can receive people's reaction as I'm like, as they're experiencing that video. I think there, there's something there that, it, that is really exciting and, you know, it, it's a small app. It's nothing like really like life changing, but it, mm-hmm. but it's a small app that I wanted to to see if like if it had any legs. So it kind of reminds me a lot of Slingshot, except that the reaction piece is delayed, right? Like Slingshot asked for a video or a shot before you could view what was sent to you, right? So Slingshot didn't ask for a reaction. They just asked for you to contribute to the system. So you can just share a sling. Um, and then you're granted is, is access. Is that what the is that what the noun is for that? Is a sling? <laughs> Verb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you share what, and and then you just like participate. <laughs> you're you've granted the access to like consume all the other slings. Yeah. And uh, a reaction was basically like a video comment on a certain 
sling that you received but that wasn't that wasn't uh like in real time and you you've kind of like prepared yourself to respond mm-hmm. and i feel like that kind of loses some of the the genuine uh, interactions that you can if it's just recording you while you watch something i want to dig deeper because you said the asynchronous real time is interesting to you but like why is it interesting why is this an important thing to be building right now for me personally i uh i've missed a lot of live interactions since i moved to london mm. especially having my fiance at an eight hour difference uh so you know watching shows together on netflix like we've lost that right and and uh because the time difference is so rough you know like i'm i'm going to sleep when she's waking up and vice versa uh so really like experiencing something and then and then sending it to her and getting her genuine reaction as she is experiencing it that that is uh that's just powerful to me it's something that i don't i don't see many apps really doing um and this unfiltered way of uh having a conversation right like mm-hmm. like you you take a selfie or whatever like you're gonna fix up your 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 face or whatnot uh but if you, if i can just see what you actually look like when i send you like a photo or a video um it feels like like we're right there without having to be right there and it's something that i don't know it's it, as a concept it's interesting to me can we talk about from like a design side like how you're approaching that problem in terms of actually building the app and then maybe we can dig over to kyle's side of like, sure. actually building that yeah so I, I i actually started working on this uh a while ago um and uh it was an exercise for me to see how simple i can make an app like how much ui i could cram nailed up. it nailed it <laughs> <laughs> like how much i could Wait, like you've seen it Brent? yeah dude it's it's on twitter dude you can look at it <laughs> oh what pay attention yeah so it's, it's pinned to the top of Kyle's thing. It's actually pinned to my yeah. timeline. What the f- <laughs> All right, so, well, now I just feel like an idiot. <laughs> well, you look like one too. <clears throat> anyway, I... I um, <laughs> I would, so yeah, I wanted to see how much I could just remove from the app uh, and really make the app like understandable and usable. Um, so removing just all the clutter and, and just an exercise on simplicity. Um, and, and really kind of experiment with in, like gestures and, and interactions are not typically something you could do in like an app that requires a business to exist, mm-hmm. like something like Facebook or et cetera. Like you, there are certain things that you can't do because X percentage of people wouldn't be able to figure that out. I wanted to use, to, to use this as a playground to see like, what if we use this sort of interaction, like two finger swipe or whatever, like mm. things that are typically not, uh, not well adopted, but you can really kind of like experiment with that just to just see how people interact with it how are you gonna help people understand like some of these hidden interactions like the two finger swipes and stuff how do you approach that uh you know we were still figuring that out um (laughs) i think you know i think there's a there's a there's a magic in in discovering these things on your own um like i think snapchat does this did this really well um snapchat first was pretty hard to use and as you understood that you can like swipe for filters or like swipe and then tap and swipe again to like mm-hmm. add another filter those are the things that are not taught to you but if you understand them then uh you feel kind of special and that is something that i think is a little bit uh, undervalued in general oh my god i want to learn okay i want to dig into this because uh we just downloaded the elo app and i was like who's at we it. i downloaded the elo app and showed it to everyone <laughs> and i was like what do you expect to happen when I click on this random abstract, absolutely means nothing icon? And your response was, just fucking click it. Yeah. And my response is like from a 
uh, design for everyone, be as clear as possible, like build in in a highly conceptual way. Wait, what? Yeah, it's you're coming at it from like a mindset that yes, is purely yes. conceptual. Right, of right. Explain everything. Right, but it's very different. And where do you draw the line between something needing to be very clear and usable and understandable on the first try versus like we're gonna let people figure this one out? I mean, I think it depends what you're trying to do. Like, if you're just trying to design the next Facebook, then yes, you need to make things as obvious as possible. It's your audience. Yeah, it's and there's definitely a uh, you know there's a use case for that, and it's a very gigantic use case for that. You know, 1.5 billion people. But um, there there's value in creating experiences that are not for everyone, that are just for you know a certain demographic that wants to invest into that experience. And and theoretically, the reward that they get by investing in that experience is a lot more than they would if it was just like cookie cutter, like really easy to understand. Like if if you can capture someone's attention enough for them to poke around your app and really discover the things that uh, make the app functional, I think that that is very valuable. I think um, Rando, an app by us too, um, a while ago made this very very interesting. There's this other app called FaceFeed, um, which is um, is this also a Facebook app? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, it was, it's not related to Facebook at all. But it, it 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 didn't teach you anything. And what it did is like you send a message, and when you press send, it took a selfie. So the first time you 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 uh, do yeah, it, yeah, you used it, you screwed up, yeah, <laughs> and you're like, wow, I just yeah. screwed up the app. And it's like, like it's like I need to take a shower. <laughs> it's a jarring experience, right? Uh-huh. Like it's it's like you know, it just took a selfie of me. But that, but those things that really like catch you when you're not prepared, I think are are so powerful. And there are things that you can do in every app, every app, but the apps that do do it or the the products that do do it are uh, really special. And the ones that can get away with it and build a business out of it, like Snapchat has done, I think they're they're an anomaly that should be revered. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, you know, a lot of people have been using these types of apps for like two to three years. Mm-hmm. And so when the first iPhone came out, no one knew how to use a, a scroll view or a tab bar, or any of that. And now you have, you know, three-year-olds with iPads and four-year-olds with iPads, and they know how to use the tab bar and they know how to, how to scroll and everything. And so you can sort of approach that in this case is that, you know, with Ello, the user going into the app, they're going to know that it's a tab bar. And so they're just going to use it. And so there's sort of a usability aspect that is familiar to a certain extent. And so even though, you know, it's, it doesn't have labels and you don't know what to do. You know you the s- core UI. You s- yeah, you know sort of still how to use it. But approaching it, you know, for, from someone who doesn't use an iPhone on a daily basis, it's really challenging. Um, and so, yeah. Okay, then here, here will be my resting cases. I think Ello is, they're doing their own thing, clearly, like, they're breaking the rules. They're going their own direction. <laughs> does anyone use Ello? Does anyone like actually use it? Well, I don't know anyone who not, does. Let's not shit on Ello because they're trying their own thing. But yeah, my but point that's is, not in it. That in itself does not have any value. They're trying to make a social network, and for me, the obvious factor seems somewhat essential when you're trying to build something for every demographic. Right? They want to build a social network, which by definition means not targeted to a niche. Well, not by definition. They're not targeting a niche, right? So why why are they trying to get away with having this unobvious UX, unobvious UI? So here's the thing: like the value of a network is going to be proportional to the types of users that are on it. And so if you have like really interesting users, that network is going to be valuable. And so with Ello, if they can attract, maybe they're not going to you know approach everyone in the world, but for a very maybe they're not even approaching a 
you know, a segment of a market. But for the type of UI, the type of very like strange UI that appeals to certain people, they're going to be drawn to that network. And so they're going to start using it. And so the value of that network is going to be, you know, if there's interesting people, like Twitter has really interesting people, that, val- that network is going val- to be valuable. But so but don't you think Twitter's stuck to people in- who want those people? Yeah, to people who want those people. So, you know, Tumblr attracts maybe a certain type of demographic that would use it. And for Tumblr, that's valuable. But, you know, for Elo, who are they going to attract? Who are gonna, who's the people who are going to be using Elo on a daily basis? Nobody knows. <laughs> the, the only selling point that they seem to focus on is ad-free and beautiful. I disagree with the second point. <laughs> well, I mean, without, without focusing too much on Elo... You know, I just listened to the Alison House uh, episode you guys had. I thought it was awesome. I, I'm a big fan of her. It's all her fault. It's, <laughs> she, it's totally on her. She was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Something she was saying is, is kind of like um, showing, like communicating expression through your work. Yes. Um, the way I took that is, is really having an opinion on what the user experience should be, should be. So if you know that tapping a certain button is not intuitive or it's, it might be jarring, all you need to do is be self-aware of that and kind of cope with that idea and just embrace it, right? And then you can make an experience out of that. So you can guide the user through a path and that path might not be super enjoyable. There might be some frustrating you know, aspects of that path, but that, that, is, that is part of the ride you're taking them on. And I think there, there's room for doing that in the UI world. That's the whole UX of video games. Exactly. Yeah. Making things hard, then making it but feel this, good. This makes me feel. Uh, this makes me on edge because this goes against like every single thing that every single educator or um, person writing Fucking about. Baylor. Not Baylor. No, no, no. Educator online, like writing tutorials about anything with um, usability and helping people understand your application. Nobody would ever say that. Like, oh, let let your user guess and see where they land, right? But the Nobody is, would ever say that. So that's why I'm on edge. But I get where you're coming from. Like, this is more expressionist and fun. But ah, how do you, you know, balance it's, it? It's because it's hard to teach people how to get an opinion. You know, I I used to be a musician before I was a designer for for a few years, and I was I played the bass. And the thing you teach to every bassist is follow the kick drum. You got to follow what the kick drum the drummer is, is doing. Just play what the kick drum is doing. And like, if you do that, you will fit any song, no matter what they're playing. If you do what the kick, kick drum is doing, you do it in the key that the guitar player is playing. You will, you will ace your bass playing test. You ace of bass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the real magic happens when you stray away from that, right? When you when you understand the formula, which is follow the kick drum, and then you embellish it. Mm. You you like take the pattern and you flip it on its head, and you kind of guide people along it, and you surprise them. You delight them right with either bass playing or ui design or whatever it is like you need to understand the basics and then and then divert from them exactly yeah. <laughs> like the, because if all you need to do is follow the kit drum in the case of design just like do what users want then you know you lose the magic you lose the the kind of uh untangible exciting thing about design which is you know we believe experiences should be like this and we're going to guide you along so you actually believe that that it, they should be like this like Apple has done a great job at this. They 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 have a vision for what what should be important, and and they've evangelized that vision through amazing branding and marketing. And now everyone is like, yeah, we believe in that vision. Like feed us that vision, and that's that's what's so so brilliant about them that they have an opinion on how the world should be, and they just convince everyone else that that's that is how the world should be, and they just come along with the ride. 
Brian, you look so like... I follow. It's just stressing me out. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What? What is so stressful about it? I've... I think I'm just like a weird app user where like if something, I have a very short attention span in terms of like if I download Ello, I didn't even want to click on those tab bars, right? I was like, I don't even want to click this. And your response was just click it, just see what it is. But I'm maybe not as exploratory. You're so cautious. Not cautious. I just like, cautious I, don't, user. I don't want to waste my time. Well, little cat user. My concern is that there's more people like me that don't want their time wasted exploring and clicking around and would rather just know. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you're probably right. I think the majority of people probably are, think like you, um, but I so don't mass market. I don't <laughs> think. Shut up. I just don't think that <laughs> the the greatest things in the world are built for the majority of people. Gabe's just very counterculture. Like I disagree with him all the time, but <laughs> you guys are on the same page right now, right? <laughs> yeah, this is one thing. I'm like, yeah, that's how you get delight is by like having people succeed against adversity, even if it's such a subtle thing as just not explaining something to them. You gotta make people uncomfortable before they they can be comfortable. Again. You can't win without having something like some kind of friction. When you break free, like after friction, that's like the best feeling in the world. I mean, I was just having this conversation today. Like um, friction, like frictionless experiences are great. They're and so boring. They're boring, and they 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 devalue whatever it is that you're doing. Right? Like if you send a a mass email. It's less valuable than if you send an individual email for every single one. Like, let's say I'm getting married and I send an email to 40 people. Those 40 people will feel less special as if I would have sent an email to every single one of them. Or even better, a postcard to every single one of them. So, like, the, the harder it is to do a certain task, the more value it has and the more appreciated it is. And I think that that is really what, what is being like, ignored in the tech industry. We're like, let's make the things as easy as possible. Like, you don't have to like, lift a finger and something happens for you. And that's fine if you try, like, for utility, but for human interaction, for real, like, social interactions, you need to understand the friction so you can appreciate what happened. If you want to make people feel smart, don't treat them like they're dumb. So then it comes back a little bit to the product that you're making as well. It depends, right? Like, if you're ma- like you said, if it's a utility app where I just need to get in and do something fast, probably lower friction is better than higher friction. If it's, like, sharing and chatting with friends and engaging, like, even messenger maybe like um messenger has some friction yeah definitely and i think that's probably better for it right like yeah i gotta dig through a few menus and do some searches it took me forever to realize that like the smiley face was not emoji it was stickers like i kept hitting it by mistake and just like like oh this is not what i want interesting okay kyle yeah so you are going to build this app with gabe how long have you been writing iphone apps so I've been writing iPhone apps since 2011, okay. 2010, 2011. Um, Are you primarily an engineer? I'd say, I don't know. I'm primarily, I feel like I do a lot of different things. Like I really enjoy design. I really enjoy engineering. I really enjoy like a lot of different aspects of just like building things and making things. Um, and so I didn't originally go into iOS to do iOS. I did it as a side project as just like, oh, you know, let's see what I can do with this little platform thing. Mm-hmm. And I was, what, 14, 15, like, on the computer. Um, so last year. <laughs> no, not last year. <laughs> um, yeah, so most of it was just, like, just exploration. Um, and I had no aspirations to go into computer science or do any sort of software thing. Um, I was very into, like, physics at the time, and I thought that was, like, really, really interesting. Um, and then I just started doing more and more and more, um, and then it snowballed into 
everything I've been doing. So what's what's interesting to you about Gabe's app? Yeah, so is it, is it Gabe's app or is it your app? Both of your app at this point? It is the app. The it, app. It's everyone's app. <laughs> it's everyone's app. Okay, so what's, it's all of so, uh, how do you feel about it? Like, how's everything going for you on the engineering and yeah, design? Yeah, so a year, like a year ago this time last year, I was actually working on a photo video app and I had worked on it for about eight months and I like never launched it because I, I just like didn't like it. Like I was too strict about what type of user experience I wanted for the user. And I set such a high bar for the user experience. And then I was just like, wow. Like, so you never Yeah, and then it's like, wow, you know, you want to have such a, a, a great user experience. And from like me alone providing that experience is impossible because I, I have to do work and I have to go to school and everything like that. So I got frustrated and really, really frustrated. And I was doing other things at the time. And so I ended up just like really enjoying the photo video space because it was so interesting. At the time, I was in college, and that was my first real dive into living by yourself, you know, getting food by yourself, making new friends in a new place. And so I had wanted to augment this like empathy that I could experience through technology. And so the product I was working at the time on at the time was focusing on how can you share sort of these and sort of almost actually what what we're doing now with Peak, but in a more in a different way is giving people sort of this window into experience and giving people a window into what you're doing okay and so for me it was like you know i had my parents at home and right so you want to you want to let them know oh you're eating dinner or you're at this really interesting place and so it was all about that without getting your parents on snapchat yeah god forbid yeah, without- <laughs> snapchat. And, but, but it was a very much focus on you know here's one moment and here's the next and it was like a very like mm-hmm. you know sequential aspects to like a story almost and then and then snapchat my story happened and then yeah (laughs) (laughs) then you're like shit yeah like oh you know but yeah (laughs) so how's it going working remotely because i feel like that would be it's very interesting well you know so when you meet someone on twitter and then immediately start building an app together for four months four three four months like you you know you have to have a different approach to things right because like normally you work with people in an office and you wake up at nine and like work and then you leave at five and go hang out with your friends and so you know i come from a very self-learning background and so for me doing a task by myself sure you know it's all self-directed um and so it's easier for me in a certain sense to be like okay here's our goals in the next Mm -hmm. week or two weeks and sort of approach okay here's where we want to be here's what, what we want to look like um, and for someone else where they need constant attention to perform an activity, you know, whether that's a boss or, or whatever, um, I think working remotely was, was so interesting because we would just message each other, say, hey, like, we got to get this done. Like, you know, we, had, we have a, a collaborative task board. Okay, we should get this done and this done. And then I would go off and like, you know, I would have to do something, homework for a week. I had, I had a week of exams, right? And so I had to do that. But there's a major focus on you just have to be so self-directed in what you're doing that there's no, I have no obligation to being here. This is, you know, Gabriel, I <laughs> met him through the internet. Like, right. that's incredible. But there's literally no contract slash obligation sure. to doing anything. It's just because you care, right? Yeah, it's just because like, I enjoy this space. 
I enjoyed doing cool projects and like it worked out. And Gabe's pretty chill, I guess. And he's pretty cool too. I guess that's like a bonus. You don't have to say I that just sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah, Gabe, step outside. We'll ask him what he thinks of you. Um, do you guys chat much about like high level vision stuff or is the vision in place and you guys are just like executing now or how does that happen? So the, the product has changed a lot uh, since we started working on it. Uh, the design is like I messaged him overnight and it's like hey design is completely different <laughs> yeah so he like messaged me he <laughs> like, messaged like, oh, me one seriously, day seriously dude <laughs> so we had one design that was like oh you know really interesting uh, and then he messages me he's like no 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 we gotta do it this way <laughs> and it was like I was like oh interesting and, and and sort of you know we changed the design a little bit and so yeah we're going you know different do you push, approaches do you push back on his designs I did we're, you know we're talking about the the consumption and the production experience and I was like, Gabe, these are two different experiences. And he was like, no, <laughs> they're one experience. Yeah. And I was like, that's a oh. classic Gabe thing. <laughs> no, no. Well, let, let, let's pause on that for a second. Go for it. Yeah. They are the same experience because when you're consuming, you are producing, right? You, you, for this app, yeah. Yeah. You're watching the video and yeah. then you're creating a video as you consume it. So should, so should they really be separate? So our first design was these like very two separate experiences. So. Got it. You would send something, and that was a send experience. And then you had a consume experience. Um, and sort of now, the direction is very, like, th- this is one and the same experience. Okay. Um, in a certain way. I don't know if you want to explain it better. Again, one thing that I wanted to do with this, this experiment was to try things that you don't typically get to do at a company, right? If, you're, if you have a company, you have investors, or you have whatever it is, you have a certain responsibility to make this as mainstream as possible. But if you're just two dudes mm-hmm. working on something because it's fun, then it doesn't have to be that way. And I shouldn't have said fun. I think fun is a, is a misleading term. I, I actually think that this is valuable and interesting. I just don't, don't feel the responsibility to, to like appeal to like 99% of users. I, I feel like we could do something that's a little bit interesting and really explore what it would, be, what it would mean for like UI design if we tried something different this way. So, so that leads to like, a lot of different iteration and back and forth in terms of like, can we combine consumption and, and production experience and all these things? But that is the one thing we have, which is freedom. We can do whatever we want. So we might as well explore the full breadth of, of the spectrum without any sort of like constraint of, of like users, of investors or, or financing or whatever it is. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the problems you run into with like these larger companies is that they don't want to explore certain areas. And so if they have a product and they're making revenue and they're, and they're growing, they don't really need to explore different verticals. Um, and sort of what Facebook has done is really interesting is exploring those verticals. So, um, you know, there's, they took on some product managers to explore different areas. Um, and now they have a bunch of apps in the app store. Like the lab. That, you know, people may or may not use. Like they're really interesting explorations. Um, but there is something to say for exploring things outside of this like comfort zone that a lot of companies have and so you know elo isn't an example of this but they're not a big company and they're not may or may not be a big company but the explorations that they might be doing sure. might be interesting um so for projects like this it's really you know how can we explore on our own time these these user experiences and sort of flex our muscles flex our creative muscles plus our flex our engineering muscles to to build this um and so yeah that's where i see the value and things like this so yeah it's been amazing to to meet kyle on twitter and just work on something together like there's literally nothing stopping 
anybody from making whatever they want digitally. There's there's no there's no boundaries. You know, with like Amazon servers or like the way the app ecosystem is set up, like it's so easy to just like you have an idea, why don't you mug it up? See what happens. And once you have like a design for an idea, it's so easy to sell it to someone and really like spend time and design it. Like you don't need a team of like 20 people, you don't need HR, you don't need investors, you don't need uh like a businessman behind it. And sure, this app may never make it to anything beyond like a parent, but uh <laughs> you know, it's fun and it's something that, that you do because you're invested in it and you grow because you do it. And I would really recommend anybody to do that. Like and, and do it in the way that is as transparent as possible. Uh so anybody else can learn from that experience. So I feel like a lot of people start these things and then don't launch them, which I've been responsible for a few of those on my own. <laughs> Same, yeah. Are you guys going to have this launched soon? Yes. Yes. <laughs> is it, is it going to be launched by the time this goes to air? Is it? In like two and a half weeks? Yes. We will work, <laughs> we will nice. work hard. <laughs> Hopefully. So if you're listening to this... In, well, it, wow, that, that is a challenge now. Okay. <laughs> you have right to go <laughs> download Peak off the App Store. You know, I don't, I don't even think it matters. You know, like just that's a cop out, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Gabe. It, it's easier for it to not to matter. No, I mean, I, just work on five products and and take them to eighty percent. Specifically you'll, five. Yeah, or, just, or can just I do five, four. No six, just five. <laughs> and you'll be a better person or better whatever it is your role. You'll be better at it than you. Most were. people's role is person. <laughs> <laughs> then, then if you didn't do it right, like like just invest some time to it explore the problem space like really work on the solution from, from beginning to end and then do that five times and you'll be a better designer better engineer better whatever after you do it doesn't matter if like five people use it or 50 people use it or a thousand million people use it i mean you get some learnings out of that obviously and it's a lot more rewarding if you do that but there is still value in just like having an idea and taking it as far as you can get without really the cynicism of of like oh this is never gonna be successful this is not going to be the next instagram it's not going to be the next x like there there is value in just exploring and experimenting and just trying shit out okay so i want some practical advice gabe because you hear this i'm sure all the time like oh i have this idea for an app but <laughs> i don't know how it's gonna i don't know how to build it and it just dies so you had an idea for an app you had this vision and you actually somehow convinced an engineer to help you build it to execute on that vision <laughs> yeah so talk to me a little bit about like how you not only approach that next stage of like, oh, I have this idea to let's build this idea, but how did you actually sell that vision to someone to execute on that? Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think uh, mm-hmm. designers are uniquely positioned to do that. Um, so with the app, with like um, prototyping tools like Framer, Origami, or whatever, we have like kind of unlocked this superpower that designers have right now, which is we are close to product development to an extent that we can envision the product from beginning to end. Like we can do that and we can understand the constraints for doing something like that. And on top of that, we have the superpower that we can like visualize it in a way that nobody else can. Like an engineer could come up with like a hacky way of what that product means. A product manager could like explain his, his way out of like whatever meeting, but a designer could like really put this, this idea together and make a prototype from beginning to end and really sell what this idea is. And I think it's, it's so easy now with like Origami or Framer or Pixay, whatever, whatever it is. You can just take your static mocks, which theoretically are beautiful, 
and then you can make them a really compelling experience and and nobody needs to imagine anything all you need to do is like look this is what i want let's do this but i'll like with infrastructure in a large scale <laughs> and you did that you created a prototype and sent it to kyle pretty much yeah i mean there was more back and forth in between <laughs> it wasn't just like oh yeah i i had some prototypes done and i i don't think it would have been as easy to sell the idea without the prototype because it would require somebody like like kyle to kind of imagine what it could be and he may or may not have that imagination in him uh which kind of like can ba- make or break the product but we are now in in a world where we can do these things like super easily and super quickly we can just y- use all the tools we have to our advantage and just kind of like mock this up this is what it should be and um it, you know it's still like a bit of smoke and mirrors but but it's it's a really powerful tool to kind of like getting a product like sell a product whether it is like a side project or a product within your organization within your your company uh, designers are the only ones that can actually take something from beginning to end and really kind of like sell that vision did you guys read josh puckett's article this week on designing with real data yeah i actually have been working on getting a sketch plugin built in that pulls from an api and i was like oh yeah I, i'm already doing this <laughs> it's um, did you guys read that i didn't read it oh my god well I feel like that's that's going to be the even further staged what you're talking about, Gabe. Um, he wrote this article. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, just talking about how like sketch tools like Sketch, um, Framer, you can get away with some more stuff. But like you're designing these static mocks with gorgeous images and like perfect length titles, and you know exactly how Big everything's going to truncate. Yeah, you, you're making up the data. And he ma- wrote this really well organized piece, making the case for pulling in real data from APIs to something like Sketch or Photoshop. Mm. Um, with really awesome gifts of how he did it. Um, that Which seems like even the next seems, step, right? Like It feels like he has his own design tools that are like something other people do not have. How, yeah, I've how never seen those, those tools. I don't know. That looked like a sketch plugin for some I don't know, man. So I, I he's just... freaking genius. I wouldn't say that. He's, he's awesome. He's, he's smart. Good. So I just, I just came from Scotland. I, I gave a talk about prototyping tools, specifically origami, and how that has affected our... Uh, our workflow specifically at facebook and uh we're seeing this trend which is very clear and it's a little bit more accelerated at a company like a big company like facebook and dropbox is probably similar where you know five years ago we would spend like 10 20 percent of our time prototyping our designs in html css and the more we've uh kind of been advanced the the bigger that that piece of the pie has become so now it's not 20 percent. now it's 60 or 50 percent and i i literally have i go from my pen and paper to origami now i I, Mm. I, I skip sketch it feels like design work is getting much closer to the code and that's so awesome like that that's really encouraging to me like i want to see people collaborate closer and sketch to code is not it's it's a wide gap right the closer we get to it we're like even with pixate i can hand off basically values to people instead of just images right Mm -hmm. i can hand off animation values i can hand off more meaningful interactions Mm -hmm. i mean the fact that we're thinking about how this would react to touch more or as much as we're thinking about like what a drop shadow should be i think is is a triumph in ui design man who uses drop shadows anymore google does (laughs) (laughs) um you know like like you know I will not poo-poo things because they're pretty. I think there's definitely a value in beauty in design and that it typically gets like uh, like undervalued. But the fact that we're beyond beauty in design and we're, we're in like how this makes you feel as you interact with it 
and that we get to play a part in in that kind of uh, transaction, I think it's it's such a win for all designers any, any, anywhere. Uh, and and if you get a, if you get a chance to explore that through you know animation or prototyping or interaction, however it is, it's just so much more interesting than like oh this is like well composed. It's like we're getting closer to the human code. It's not about the visual stimulation. It's about the emotion it evokes and getting to it any way you can. Totally. Yeah. Can we start programming humans? That'd be <laughs> really great. Go for it. Getting closer to the code, closer to the human. Programming humans. Do you guys see Ex Machina? Yeah. Did you see it? No. I saw it on a <laughs> flight. On a flight? Yeah. Isn't it in theaters? To still? Europe. How did you do that? British Airways, I guess. <laughs> What's great? You think? Are you terrified of ai now or what um you know i had the same similar issue that i have with her i think her is oh you had mm. an issue with her yeah <laughs> i mean i i think who there, is she <laughs> there there's something um like really interesting especially in her about kind of like making your design permeate into different uh interfaces and having no interface at all and just being the thing that lingers with you it's really interesting um but this idea that we're gonna cross from like our human experience to uh like some sort of artificial artificial intelligence and and that's going to become blurry at some point it's really hard for me to follow for, to thoughts to uh, swallow i i i literally think that what makes us human is like coping and understanding our flaws and unless we make ai imperfect we make it like you know we we focus on ai being having limitations that are very real and very explicit then we're not going to be able to identify with AI the way we identify with human. Like, I, I can go on a hike with you for five hours, and I know you're going to be tired by the end of it. If I go on a hike with an Android for five hours, I have no way of connecting with that Android. And, and that Android has no reason why to pretend that he or she is tired. Your car doesn't pretend it's tired either. Yeah, and you don't have a relationship with your car at all. Sure, uh, have you seen Bryn in his car? <laughs> it's weird. I mean, I, you know, I, I worked on that car startup for a long time and, and there's a lot of that car startup. <laughs> there, there's a lot of, uh, of, uh, uh, like progress to be made there. But I think the answer is like uh, leapfrogs from transportation or AI is really like how to integrate yourself with other organisms in a way that, it, that is genuine and embracing of our flaws without really. What do you think about like bioengineering? Like what, what if you could become a cyborg? What if you could supplement yourself with technology to the point where heads-up display contacts. flaws aren't a thing, like that, or flaws are reduced to essentially nil? Oh, interesting. We kind of do, right? We we have LASIK uh, uh, surgeries right now to like. That's not something that lives on your body, though, right? But you, you're it, essentially it, it reduces flaws. Yeah, yeah. Like there's like plastic surgery, all these things that which introduces flaws. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it definitely introduces a a social kind of uh, uh stigma right mm -hmm. like you see someone that has because it's this thing where you can tell that they get a nose job you're a little bit uh like aware of that and you judge them based on that um which is this uncanny valley of like i'm trying to be x uh way but i but i'm just like paying my way to get there um and it's you know it it's what we're talking about friction like it diminishes what it means to have a perfect nose if we can just build a perfect nose then noses are just become less important it's like yeah she's she he or she has a great nose but they could have bought that so then you stop valuing that and you value things that you can't because there's more friction right so you, you appreciate the things that have uh this inherent friction behind them isn't it good to 
if every nose in the world is perfect and no one focused on noses? Or are you saying it's good that there's diversity and some noses are perfect and some are messed up and that's okay, but if everyone's was perfect, are some noses perfect? I, I'm saying... I guess it's that's still subjective in some way, but yeah. I, I don't know. I think there's, I think there's value for fucked up noses out there. <laughs> you know, like, uh, like it's fine. Like, it, it's okay. Like, just like... Where would we be without Owen Wilson? Like... <laughs> Like, probably not here like pretending to be perfect or being perfect is boring right like it, it's the whole thing about only sharing the things that you are proud about on facebook that's boring nobody wants to know just about your wedding and just about your baby like we want to know everything about you like once we have imagine when we have a president or a person running for president that has 40 years worth of experience or worth of history and Facebook. Do you think they'll ever get elected? I, I hope so. You know, then we'll be able to know that when they were freshmen in college, they coke, and then they like slept with a hooker, and then this and that, and like now you, you get this like. And then they're just George Bush. It's problems. <laughs> well, you get this expanded understanding of what it means to be a human. Like we're all perfect. There's no such thing as this like perfect, uh, like built idea of what a person is. Like what, what politics or celebrities are trying to sell. That doesn't exist. And as the more you're confronted with like people's flaws, like how fucked up their nose is or how much drugs they did or what mistakes they made when they were younger, that's how you can connect with them. Because guess what? Everyone makes those mistakes. Like I fuck up all the time. So if I see someone that I admire fucking up, I'm like, you're just like me. Now, like our bond is much stronger. And that just makes for a, a better and more empathetic world. I agree. I actually agree. Um, I think what you said about what will this world look like in 20, 30 years when people have this natural history of social media updates and the internet following them around, what that will look like, um, if that will make us more empathetic towards each other. Um, that's a really Or more question. jaded. Or more, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I'm good at jaded. What do you think, Kyle? You're, you're new to the space. Yeah, yeah. You're new to the planet. For sure. Just so, starting your whole life on the internet. No. And in general. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, it's it, you know, it's really interesting that you know, you can go back into my history that even eight years ago, like it's just it's just incredible that you can gain, you know, that's I've been using Instagram like a ton, um, to just document all the experiences I have. Um No double instas though. And <laughs> triple and quadruple very many. Breaking the social rules, man. And you know, yeah, so so that's my medium for documenting everything. Is that like I'm gonna regret it in 30 years you already know you're gonna regret i'm i'm gonna regret it if i don't take an instagram every day or every other day you know what i mean so i think there's room for technology you know part of the so i don't use snapchat okay and all all to most of my friends use snapchat my parents use snapchat more than i use snapchat and so the only reason i don't like snapchat is because i can't document things like you're the opposite of snapchat's vision yes well (laughs) to a certain extent to a certain extent i value ephemerality but i don't like worship it like i think there is value to documenting certain aspects of your life and i think facebook facebook has done that really well with being able to go back into your history but yeah so you know instagram i can go back to last summer and see what i was doing or you know it's just like really really interesting is that over two to three to four to five period year period now, to 30 years, if we have some service that supplements Instagram in the future, what is that going to look like? Like, I'll be able to just so dive into just experiences mm-hmm. and, and relive that. See, I went back through my Facebook history and was just... Was it a big mistake? Increasingly embarrassed the further back I went. But that's a good thing. 
Why is that know. a good thing? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, why is that good? Because everyone is stupid five years ago. Everyone is. Like, I was a moron five years ago. And today, I'm slightly less of a moron. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> like, the further back I go on my dribble profile, which is only like six one, shots now, I cut a, a bunch of stuff down. But yeah, I, I'm like, oh shit, I grew a lot. Yeah. And yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's important. That's enhanced when you're younger. Like, when you're 13, uh, you know, you're like uh, incredibly more wise person when you're 14 right like the gap between 14 and 13 is like eons away and then 15 and 14 there's like whoa who was i like thir- like when i was 13 i was an idiot you know going from 13 to 18 to like 25 those are like massive changes in your personality and if you just like masquerade them away into just like oh i am who i am now and you lose that that history that that understanding like yeah i did have dreads when i was 18 and yeah i i did like like ska when you i was like, like 15. anthony Antonio Banderas when you were 18. I had an afro <laughs> in high school. You still do, a little bit. It's coming back a little bit right now. Yeah. But I mean, that, you know, that, that is so much, like, that, that makes for our interaction so, to be so much deeper than it, if it was if we just saw you right now and I could experience who you are from now on, as opposed to, like... Is that not important, though? Like, just to know the best version of me and then learn with me going forward? No, or does, man. Is it helpful for you to know all the fuck-ups I've made in the past? You gotta put a little meat in that candy. <laughs> nice That's throwback. <laughs> Episode 5 of Design Details. I, 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 think it's, I think it is useful. I think it's unpopular. You know, it's, a lot of people uh, are embarrassed by that and they're afraid of showing that side of themselves. Like, I'm, me included. Like, there's part of myself that I'm afraid of showing. But it, if you provide a service with a utility that is superior to whatever your like fear is then you you'll cross that barrier and you'll be better because of that i think of uh google maps like street view street view is like the biggest privacy clusterfuck in in the world like imagine i came to you right now and told you like yeah i'm gonna take a picture of every house in the planet you'd be like no why would you do that i was like oh because you're gonna love it it's gonna be the best (laughs) google product ever you can go to any city and you can visit uh, Morocco from like Kentucky. Like what? But like, it doesn't matter that you're giving up your privacy because the value is so much better. It's so much, it's, it's so like it, the utility is, is there for you. So you need to do the same thing with general interactions of, of how we behave and really push forward the utility of like opening yourself and becoming vulnerable. It's fine to be vulnerable and it's fine to be embarrassed, to feel fear, to feel judged, it's totally fine. Because guess what? You're going to judge someone and they're going to feel embarrassed and they're going to be afraid. And that's just going to make for a, a It's really world. great about once a year when I go through and delete all the old shit. <laughs> <laughs> so bring this back to design for me. Like This is obviously something you think about a lot, especially given the team you're working on. What do you do from a design perspective to make people feel comfortable with that very inherently uncomfortable thought of exposing yourself to the world how do you design something that makes that a more comfortable um value like promising a value experience you know it's hard like it it's hard to push people in a certain direction because that direction is subjective you know it what i've been talking about is my vision of how the, show, the world should be it's not necessarily representative of, what, of facebook vision of what the world should be let alone the user's vision of what the world should be so you kind of have to like deal with all those considerations as you design something. Um, in our case, we, we are looking at the way people behave and doing a lot of like user research, understanding how people interact with each other, why they do the things they do, why they use the apps they do. 
what do they wish they would be doing and try to address those real problems in a way that makes sense within the Facebook ecosystem. The, the thing that is, is important about Facebook is that it's such a compli- complex uh, machine that any small detail is not small. You know, like you can think of the smallest little, little improvement to a feature and that has repercussions throughout the entire ecosystem. And there's teams that own all these different aspects of that experience that have their own kind of bias and, and ideas and, and goals. You need to kind of work with, with all of them to kind of like, like get them behind this vision. So, I mean, specifically what I've been doing is, is just understanding what people want and try to shape the, the platform so that it makes it okay for them to, uh, to use Facebook in a way that they don't typically use. Got to make your users better, I guess. I realized after I asked that that it was probably a tough question because there's certainly some privacy about what you're working on, right? Classic Brian, never asking deep questions. <laughs> I always ask people that are like working at big companies where there's obviously like NDAs and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'm always just asking like, all right, tell me more, tell me so, more. So uh, Apple, uh, what's what's coming next? <laughs> but that was a very, it was a good answer with, with the information you have. So I appreciate that. So um, we are out of time. Yep. Anything you guys want to plug before you go? Yeah. Uh, I want to plug my friend's app. It's my friend's Charlie Dietz. He has an app called Cat Chat. Um, so if you want to chat with your cats, <laughs> you download Cat Chat. The address, Wait, like jazz cats or like literal cats, <laughs> like just the way cats typically Meow. chat. If you want to like access the feline uh, like conversation stream, you can download Cat Chat by going to catchat.fish and download a Cat Chat. Beautiful. And do you want to plug your own? Our app is called Peak and it's coming out soon, maybe by the time this episode comes out. Hopefully. Um, iOS App Store. Do you have a domain? iOS. No domain yet, but it will be something awesome. Uh, And go snap with every single Peak URL. Yeah. (laughs) Follow me on Twitter, Gabriel Valdivia. If you can spell that, then you get a free download to our app. It'll be in the show notes because that's all he's got. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Kyle? What do you want to plug? Yeah, just plugging Peak. and follow me on Twitter. What's your handle? K Y L R Y. Short and nice. So, yeah. I like it. Cool, guys. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank thanks you. so much. And that was episode 40 of the Design Details Podcast. Crazy. It's been six We're months. We're over the hill. Over the six month hill. Is that not insane? Also, number 40, which is literally over the hill. Oh. Colloquially, not literally. Oh. 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 Oh, oh big milestone. <laughs> Uh, we hope that if whether you're listening for the first time or you've been listening since day one that you've been enjoying the show if that's the case we have a huge favor to ask uh we've been nominated Not that huge it's really easy. actually it's a tiny favor it's a tiny um, favor but the impact on our lives is huge and it means a lot to us uh we were nominated for podcast of the year at the By awards you. you did it yes uh follow through <laughs> so now the voting is open if you go to designdetails.fm uh, we have a link, uh, a banner across the top. You can click on it. It'll take you to the Net Awards page to vote for us, and you can share it with your friends. We would really appreciate it. Uh, if you're listening to the show, you're new to it, if you've been uh, tweeting about it, any vote and every vote counts and helps us. Uh, so check it out. Go to Design Blackmail Details. all your FM. friends. <laughs> Please do it. Or just do it out of the goodness of your heart. Um, before we go, wanted to also thank our amazing sponsors that make this show possible and have made it possible for the last six months. Icon Finder has been with us since very early on. And if you haven't heard this read a million times, um, Icon Finder is 
a place to find icons. <laughs> they Weird. nailed that one with the name. <laughs> Jeez. Great name, great product. Uh, they support the design community. They're an amazing resource. So for any design project you're working on, uh, whether you need any style of icon, glyph, outline, working with iOS or Android, all these different platforms and styles and icons, Icon Finder has them. So go to IconFinder.com, sign up for their monthly subscription service, Icon Finder Pro, but use the promo code ROBOT and that'll tell them we sent you and get you 50% off your first month. Thank you so much to Icon Finder. Our second sponsor is once again Dropbox. Dropbox is, is really making a huge effort to support the design community and in doing so they are supporting us and making the show possible but they also support us in that we can get our work done because of them ah yes because their tool is really really awesome (laughs) yeah all my files every single one is in dropbox it's basically my root folder i think the only things that aren't are just my dev folder like and, and that would be a waste of time yep and if all of your files are not in dropbox it's time to make the change time to make the upgrade it's an amazing service, uh, amazing company that's supporting the design community. Uh, they make it really easy to make beautiful things together. So check them out at dropbox.com. Thank you to Dropbox. We'll see you on Wednesday with Marshall Bach and Michael Schultz.